Today I sit down with Deepak Suthar to discuss health and fitness. We discuss entrepreneurship, alternative education, franchises, and his company, Level Up. But I also wanted to dig deep into various next-generation workout technologies, such as OsteoStrong NX3, as well as some nutritional advice to boot. This may feel a little like an advertisement for OsteoStrong X3, but honestly, I really, really just like what John Jaquith has built and use it regularly. So bear with me and hopefully you'll learn something along the way. With that, please meet Deepak Suthar. Hello and welcome to the Arsenic Show. Today I have Deepak Suthar. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Yeah, so good to have you. I've been trying to get you on the show for at least two seasons. Uh, we finally made this happen. <laughs> at least two seasons. I appreciate the, the follow-up. <laughs> well, I think it's this is a fun one for me uh, because we're going to be talking about physical health, which is not something I typically talk about in the show very much. Uh, or very, very occasionally in context of something else, right? Like policy or something. So... Uh, so this is a fun one for me, but before we go down the, uh, physical health side, you actually started much more in my world in software development and, uh, building companies and stuff. So, uh, I think it would be good to spend a little time there if you would indulge me and yeah, talk a little absolutely. bit about your history. Yeah, absolutely. That history goes back, you know, when we start from my technology stuff, like the first thing I think of when I think of, oh, hey, where'd you start in technology-wise? First thing I think of is, it's like 1980-something. My brother is starting to code something on a Commodore 64, and I'm just watching him, and I'm just like, oh, my God. That's <laughs> the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and then he starts playing a game off of a tape. And I don't know if you've ever played a game like on a cassette deck. <laughs> Popping it in there, like every move took like five minutes. Yeah, you're right, right. <laughs> so was, talk about delayed gratification. Right. <laughs> but that was kind of like the, the the very very beginning. So, and I don't think I've ever told him this actually, but it was like the first time I really got interested in it was because of him. Huh. And he's six years older than I am, so he was, you know, he's incredibly smart, like genius level. Mm -hmm. And I just uh, I just watched him, and he was coding, and he was playing, and he was coding, and he was playing. And then he left to go to college and he went to computer science and I didn't know what I wanted to do at that point. And before I even got into tech, uh, I've always been kind of like this adventurous mindset. I've always had this adventurous mindset where I wanted, I wanted to be on a lifelong trek of just chasing treasure Right. You know, we were talking about this earlier. Like, why is Goonies one of my favorite movies? It's because these kids were constantly on an adventure looking for treasure. And for, for those listeners, as opposed to viewers, yeah. uh, you are wearing a Goonie shirt. Yeah. Uh, that's why this is. Never say <laughs> that, guys. Never say that. Uh, we're going to get a call from the studio lawyers soon. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> so. Through my teenage years, I was like, uh, after my brother left, the computer gaming kept continuing, so I kept playing, but then the coding kind of stopped, right? So I kind of fell off of, you know, the productive route into computers, but I kept playing. And then that led me through high school, and I was like, okay, what do I want to do? So I end up in Austin, I end up at UT, and everybody's like, what's going to be your major? What's going to be your major? And I'm like, I have no idea. And they're like, 
why don't you do computer science like a brother? And I'm like, all right, done. <laughs> and, Easy. That, and that was, that was the, that was the first, first time I had to go into a learning environment to where I was actually coding and doing all of the things. And you know, the funny thing about it is I hated it. Like I didn't like it at all. I was doing pretty good, but it just, it didn't satisfy like my curiosity and like my, the adventurous spirit I had. So two years into it, I'm like, Hey, uh, like I'm a sophomore at school and I'm just, I'm just not liking this whole educational system. And I just don't feel like it's, it's teaching me the things that I really needed to know to be successful. Cause I'm like, I'm, I'm reading stuff outside of school, you know, things I was getting my Microsoft certification, my Cisco certification. I was doing all of these certs that they didn't even offer in school at the time. And I was just learning and learning and learning. And then I got my first job. I was like, Hey, I need some cash because I was partying a lot at the time, but I had no cash. So I was like, (laughs) okay, I need to figure out how to get myself a part-time job. So I got a part-time job and this is, this is one of my favorite jobs of all time, like to this day. And the funny thing is, and I didn't know why I started out as a little help desk guy. And I was just, cause I knew a little bit about computers and I could fix things. And this is when we were transitioning from windows 3.1 into windows 95 and things were getting really interesting from a networking perspective. So that's when I started going through and I got all the certs and I had an incredible mentor at, at this company. You know, one of the things that I've been really blessed with is that at all of these different companies, for the majority of the time, I've had incredible leadership. And, you know, I, I did not get to where I am today by myself. And I just, you know, I just want to shout out to every person that managed me, supported me, guided me throughout this entire and process. Any names of, of note that are worth mentioning? Oh, man. So the first one that started with was David Bird and then Steve Arshad. And then Mark Reynolds was, was an incredible, incredible guy. Um, the boss, Casey Hoffman, he kind of showed me, like, this is what it means to run a multi-million dollar company. And I'm just the help desk guy. And I'm just, and I'm learning from these people that are just so far ahead of me and it just really got me thinking and I'm like how do I get further faster and for me college wasn't it so that's when I decided to quit I'm like okay I'm learning way more outside by going through these books and just learning self self learning and taking all these certification tests now I'm making some real money because now I've got these things called certifications back when they were worth something yeah uh, and people that were, that I knew that were graduating college are like, you're making what? Like, how, how are you even, how are you doing this? And I just kept going and I just kept going. And from one company to another, that first company, um, I was so lucky. God, you know, I can't tell you how lucky I've been like through my entire life, but there's just this one lucky roll after another. And this first company, child support enforcement, it was a, uh, a portfolio company of Austin Ventures at the time. And I met the guy who ran technology over at AV. And he and I became really good friends because, you know, we were learning from each other. He had just moved into town. So we were hanging out and we were just learning so much from each other. 
But that relationship was was one of the first times I realized how important it is on who you spend your time with. And he's he was an incredible mentor for me, Dave Benton. He's he's an incredible incredible guy. And from that point, it was that was my very first startup company that I had joined. And then that went through one company to another company to another company to another company to 14 companies later, I tried to start my own. And that's when things started to get real interesting. <laughs> so somewhere along the line, um, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I think it, sure. I think it's interesting. You decided you wanted to get involved with uh, health Mm-hmm. Um, so what was sort of the bridge between like, was that just a person like I need to make sure I'm healthy kind of thing? Or were you, were you looking for things in that space or like what kind of got you down that path from, for, because you can see technology versus health. I mean, they very rarely overlap like very well, you know, <laughs> it's like you might have a website or something, you might have a, a blog, but they're usually not hand in hand. Yeah. So I didn't get into it because there was a bridge. Uh, I got into it because I burned a bridge Mm. and throughout my career in technology, I got burned out. Like I got to the point to where I was, I was making more money than I ever made before. I had a really easy, like really easy job that was kind of rinse and repeat, but I just wanted more. I just wanted something else and I just, I can't sit I can't sit by myself in in some place where I'm not growing. So at that point, this is kind of when I kind of dove into this personal development world and I went to a Tony Robbins conference. I went to my first conference and I learned like instantaneously the thing that I was missing, which was contribution. I had been working my tail off you know, and through the startup years, through the 70 hour work weeks, like doing all of that. But at the last job I had, I just wasn't contributing to anybody else but myself and my family. And I just felt empty inside. And I had to go <laughs> to a four day conference with like 16 hours a day to finally identify what that was. That was, you know, another one of the greatest gifts that I've ever been given is just understanding that we all have needs. And, you know, he talks about this thing called six human needs. And one of the one of the needs that wasn't being met was contribution because there was really nothing that I was doing outside of like the once a year Habitat for Humanity or once a year mobile loaves or, you know, whatever that was. I don't really consider that contribution. I, I consider that like checking the box. I think it's a bullshit thing. I, I wanted to do more. And that's what got me on this search for what else can I do? Because right now I'm just, I'm dying inside. Okay. So this is kind of interesting. <clears throat> Once upon a time I was doing some research on happiness. Um, it was probably about 10 years back or so. And I found somewhere they had some list of like 15 different, I'm guessing the real number is 15, whatever number was 20, whatever different subcategories of happiness that kind of roll up into 
kind of five major categories if memory serves, six, maybe whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And so I I felt like I had a pretty good handle on how I felt about myself and what things made me happy and what didn't. And, you know, certain things I'm like, nope, don't care at all about that. It does not matter to me one bit. And other things I'm like, that matters a lot to me, right? And so I ranked and rated it. And then I graphed over time how happy I was. Um, and if I ever saw anything on the the major metrics on the five or six major major metrics and if i ever found there was a day where the math did not possibly add up i'd go back and go okay there must be something inside like deeper in one level deeper that i got wrong like i i thought it didn't matter but apparently it matters more to me or matters way less to me than i thought if if it went the other direction right Mm. um like i thought this would matter a lot but it apparently does not matter um and um, so one day the regression went totally south. Like there's just no way this math makes sense. So I went back and I was like, what is it? Cause I had a really, really good day. And I'm like, my math just does not add up to me having a good day. There's nothing in here that would make this number make sense. Yeah. And I looked in and one of those numbers was um, you know, one of the metrics was something like, um, like acts of kindness or acts of acts of service or something like that. And I, when I first put my number in there, I thought, what it was was like giving change to the homeless or something. I'm like, right. hell no, that's not, I'm not doing that. I, I, I've always thought you should fix things at a macroscopic level, not a microscopic level. That's just me. I know a lot of other people prefer working one on one-on-one with individuals, but just not me. I just, I've never liked it. I've always liked choke points, you know, big meaty things yeah. where I could solve you know, millions of people's problems, not just one person. Well, people want time. to do the easy and it's easy for you to roll down your window. Right. And a dollar bill. Yeah. This, yeah, I've never gone the easy route, but I, but this one day I was like super, super, super happy. I'm like, what is going on? And I realized, um, this piece of software that I had been working on trying to get the browsers to roll out had mm. finally done it. And, um, it's called content security policy. And now it is in every single browser everywhere on the planet. And your phone, my phone, it doesn't matter who you look at. If you walk downtown Austin, every single person there has been positively impacted by this thing that I finally got rolled out. And it was that was one of those choke points, right? Now, it's like I just solved a billion people's problem. They didn't even realize that it, it was happening. It was happening behind the scenes. It was just automatically rolling out. It was this annoying update that they don't want to update and eventually kind of have to, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, but. I considered myself to be a billionaire, not in the dollar sign sense, but in the sense that I'd actually impacted a billion people's lives positively. Sure. And so that's when I went back and like, okay, these numbers, I so don't understand myself. <laughs> I got to really rethink this. Like what really drives my happiness? And yeah. so that kind of dovetails into what you're saying, you know, your contribution. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, for more context on kind of what those six things are, there's a there's certainty, there's uncertainty, there's love and connection, there is um, significance, and then there's two spiritual needs. So the two spiritual needs are growth and contribution. So if you ever find yourself in a funk, you're probably lacking in one of the two spiritual needs. You're probably not growing. And you're probably not contributing to yourself. So, and this was exactly what I was going through because I had the certainty that I was making money. I didn't, uh, I had the uncertainty to where I didn't know where we were going to get deployed next. Like we're, we're putting in historical horse racing across the world. And I had the significance of, I was one of the best 
in in that field and i loved that like that that was awesome the love and connection was there i was connecting with my team i was connecting with the people that i've been working with for you know over two decades and i love that piece and it was just such a realization to just understand that how important these two spiritual needs really, really are. And I still track this today. Like anytime that I feel like I'm in some kind of funk, I'm not growing or I'm not contributing. And it's just every single time because I'm thinking about me. Like anytime that you're sad and you're not doing one of these two things, you're thinking about yourself. And, you know, I'm trying to break that habit. So that's kind of the background of where that comes from. That's interesting. So we'll get to Ostia Strong in a minute. Um, yeah. I, I, you did mention um, ditching college and mm-hmm. just doing the self-education route. Yep. <clears throat> so I know there's there's a lot of people who are like, you've got to get your education. you got to go through the four full years or whatever. Sure. Um, I, too, was a, a college dropout. Um, and I would say that better than half of the people I interact with that are at like extremely high um, technology capabilities dropped out or, or didn't even go at all. Yeah. So where do you see college? Is it, is it necessary? Is there a reason you to go or you just like, don't go like, what's your, what's your opinion on it? This is a, this is my next legacy that like, this is the one thing that I'm going to be working on that I'm already working on. Not that I'm going to be working on. Mm. Uh, the short answer to your question is, let me, let me, let me rephrase the question. Sure. Do kids need an education? Yes. hundred yeah, percent. Yes, absolutely. Is college the best way to deliver said education to every single student? The answer is no. And for me, I have this, because I've done this, for so long and because I've been thinking about this for so long and I have this opinion not because I left two years in I have this opinion because there is this dogma of for you to be successful you have to have x and that is a degree and I think you and I both know that that's complete horseshit now what should kids be getting that's an interesting question yeah because I would switch that around and I would say, let me ask you a question. You have children. Are your children getting the absolute best education for their future right now? Probably not. <laughs> yeah. I don't think there's a person out there that can say that. Well, that I don't think they can say yes. I, I regularly ask questions that I just assume somebody at their grade level would know and they have never heard of them but frequently not just once in a while right like, oh geez what are they teaching them <laughs> but then you think wow. about it and you're like okay you know what should they be learning for them to be truly successful in whatever field that they decide to go in and yes i understand that if you want to be a lawyer there's certain things that you have to do you have to go through the bar exam yeah, or a doctor or a doctor you yeah, have to yeah. do that 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 yep. and you know, I've talked to so many people, kids also, they're like, oh, hey, you know, I want to be a doctor. And I'm like, okay, cool. Tell me why. Why do you want to be a doctor? Like, oh, I want to help people. I'm like, great. That's beautiful. How many people do you want to help? <laughs> and they're like, I don't know. 
if I see one patient a day, maybe that's 300 patients a year, 300 plus patients a year. I'm like, that's awesome. So you get to help 300 patients a year. That's beautiful. I'm like, well, what if you could help 600 patients a year? Would that be even better? And they're like, yeah, yeah, that, that would be even better. And I'm like, what about 6,000 patients a year? Would, would that be even better? And they're like, yeah, of course, but how can I do that? I'm just one doctor. I'll be one. How could I do that? <laughs> I'm like, well, if your goal is really to impact other people, to impact as many people as you can, and you're just one person, should you be a doctor? Probably not. Or should you own the hospital? And do you need a medical degree to own the hospital? No, you don't. And then they're just, just like, oh, man. <laughs> and then I get yelled at by the parents. They're like, no, stop telling my kids I don't have to go to school. <laughs> and, you know, I've, I've had so many philosophical conversations about college. Like, this is, this is a hot button for me. Mm-hmm. And for every time they're like, well, you know, you gain valuable skills by going to college. And I'm like, okay, tell me one. Tell me. Like, well, you get, you gain social skills. And I'm like, yeah, really? I, I hear that one a lot too. I'm like, you gain social skills. But people like will really hang that, their hat on that one. Like, yeah, you'll, but this is where you're going to meet your wife or whatever. Like, <laughs> no, really, really, really. That's a real, very serious argument for why you should go. I'm like, I, I feel like, I feel like I didn't meet any girls really that I had any long-term relationships in college. <laughs> like they all came afterwards. I hear social skills and I hear networking. Yeah. I hear that one a lot too, especially if you're going through an MBA program. Yeah. I so, learned to drink. Does that count? <laughs> <laughs> it does count. That's part of the social skills. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that, that is a skill. Uh, it may not be a beneficial skill in the long run, but it's definitely a skill. So when I, when I talk to these folks, you know, I'm always looking at, okay, what, what outcome are you after for your child? And if the outcome for your child is for them to network with people that will help them in their future, why on earth would you leave it to happenstance to put them into a four-year degree and just hopefully that they run into somebody that they can connect with over the rest of their life? Why would you leave that to chance? Why wouldn't you just be intentional about it and put them into a group of people that are already there that you know that these guys are, are these people are already qualified and intentionally put them in that environment and then let them develop their social skills with people that will be their lifelong friends, that will be their mentors, that will be the next big thing. Why would you leave it to happenstance? Why would you leave it to chance? So, okay, I'm, all right, I'm, I'm curious. How does it work? So one of the things that I learned when I went to this, this Tony Robbins event, there were 15,000 people at this event. Wow. That's and there, a lot. and there's one thing that. Is that pretty typical? It is. Okay. Yeah. For, and there's another one coming up in Dallas, November. You should come with me. I'm actually taking my kids. <laughs> um, but there's one thing that all of these people have in common you remember there's two spiritual needs one of them is growth when you go to these events everybody there wants change and not your average ordinary person does not want change so now you're kind of separating people 
into you're removing the chance equation out of this. You're like, okay, I'm going to be surrounding myself with people that are that have a growth mindset, mm -hmm. which is a beautiful thing. And then not only that, there are people there that are in orders of magnitude wealthier than you know all of us here, and they there are programs there. And this isn't the only one, by the way. I'm just using this as one example. But there's a program there that you can join this this group and be a part of this group of 800 people that are arguably the best of the best in what they do. And they all have a growth mindset and they all have a contribution mindset. So when you go into this group, everybody is just another human. But if you ask for help, this is where, hey, here's my hand. I will help you up. There's no chance. Like you're, you're taking the chance out of this equation and now you're putting yourself into an environment where you're intentionally being surrounded by the people that you're going to enjoy the rest of your life with. And they're going to help you up and through these things. And then, oh, and by the way, you're going to learn all these different skill sets. So back when I was talking about, you know, what my legacy, want, what I want my legacy to be, I want to shift public education. I think public education is a travesty. I think uh, a lot of private education is the same. It's just more expensive. Mm -hmm. However, I think I can fix that because the things that I've learned over the past seven years are things like emotional intelligence, financial intelligence, uh, marketing, contract, business, uh, relationships, networking, all of these things that don't have a traditional class. But you learn them in the course of a year. And with these skills, these critical life skills that you use every day, you can choose to do whatever you want. If you have this... In an entrepreneurial mindset, yeah. Yeah, if yeah. you have this as the... Even if you weren't entrepreneurial mindset, even if you just want to be an employee, you want to be a great employee. You still need every single one of these skills. You need to be emotionally intelligent. You need to understand how to speak publicly. You need to understand how persuasion works. You need all of these things, but these are the things that they don't teach. You need to understand how your body works health-wise. This is a vessel that's going to take you through the rest of your life. Are you going to beat it up? We all did a little bit in college. <laughs> but now... We know that if we want to have an impact on the greater good and we want to have this ripple effect on the rest of the world, it starts here. But do they teach that? No, they don't. So, so when you say you're going to impact schools, do you mean literally existing schools or a brand new, completely different kind of school? Like, what's your plan there? So... Our kids go to a school, a private school that, that we take them to, and the, the bad school that's more expensive. Got it? <laughs> Not necessarily <laughs> bad. Could be better. <laughs> but there, uh, there needs to be somebody leading this charge on teaching them what emotional intelligence is, how to speak in public, how to frame a pitch to venture capitalists. So many of these little things that just don't exist. 
and I'm going to create the program that is going to support kids through this. So when I say I'm going to attack this, I want I want to start with kids that already have that mindset of, yeah, you know, I may or may not go to college. doesn't matter. But I do understand that everyone that I know that is successful has some level of this foundation already. And some of them, like me, it took me 40 years to get access to this type of education. And that's where I think it's just a travesty. Like it just shouldn't, it shouldn't be relegated to people who can spend $100,000 a year on coaching. This should be available to everyone. So it's going to be online, you think? I think it's going to start online. But I think there's a lot of face-to-face that it's it's important. I don't think it's just you know a class that you just throw online and people just go buy it. I think that's a, that's a foundational level. Like so, this is the difference between knowledge and wisdom, right? If you watch a video, yeah, you got some knowledge, but do you have any wisdom? No, because you haven't exercised it. You actually haven't done it. And a lot of those soft skills, like how do you measure leadership? Like if you were going to create a class on leadership and you were going to try to teach children. How would you measure it? Mm-hmm. So there's, it gets really interesting and really tricky on how to do that. And some of those things, maybe, you know, chat GPT will get to this point pretty soon, <laughs> but it's not quite there yet. So maybe it's a, a panel of, you know, me and you and Chris uh, listening to a child do a pitch or try to persuade. And there is some sort of subjective grade based on some kind of rubric. And there's so many people. Every time I tell the story about, you know, how I want to shift public education, everyone's like, how do I get on board with this? I I, like, I'm in, like, let's go do this. And I'm like, well, I've got two other companies right now. (laughs) I'm just, I'm just not quite there yet, but the bones of it are there. Like we're, I'm starting to build out this. I actually have a curriculum that I've already kind of built and I can teach a lot of this, but I, I don't want to be the linchpin. I want this to grow past me, but I just want parents to be able to see that, Hey, look, college is not the only option. It is a option. What do you want for your child? And just understand that, there are probably a thousand paths to get to that outcome that you want for your child. Don't just do the things that everyone else is doing so you can tell your sister-in-law, oh, hey, um, my kid's going to Harvard. Like, oh, well, great. (laughs) It's awesome. (laughs) But some of it just becomes a story of just like, hey, I'm going to send them to school because I just need to be able to answer that question. Right. Because it's a, it's a cultural thing. Yep. So why entrepreneurship? Why is that a path that you think people should go down? So it's either two paths, right? I think it's, uh, it's either you're going to be an entrepreneur or you're going to be an employee. Uh, there's really no other path i guess trust fund baby like maybe that's, <laughs> that's, that's their option. instagram model yeah instagram <laughs> model you know the only fans you know have you seen my feet like they're pretty amazing <laughs> <laughs> uh 
But I have. Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys, this is not that kind of show. <laughs> it could be. It, it could be. be. The night is young. <laughs> but uh, I don't think, you know, people learning skills that lend themselves to be an entrepreneur, I don't think they have to become an entrepreneur. Like I said earlier, even if you are an employee, you want to do really well in your role. And having the skill sets of an entrepreneur will allow you to perform way better than other employees that do not have those skill sets. And emotional intelligence across the board is critical in, in any company. Being able to communicate effectively to all the way up to the CEO, to all the way down to the guy sweeping the floors, critical. Business strategy, critical. Every one of these things that I believe that every you know fourteen year old should start learning today, it works in both arenas. Whether you want to be an entrepreneur or you want to be an employee, and some people, I think some people will just default and say, "I don't want to be an entrepreneur. I just I just want to work for somebody." But I like asking questions, so I'm like, "Well, why? Why do you want to do that?" Inevitably, it comes down to this, there's a fear mindset of, well, if I do that, I might fail. But they just, they don't understand the whole story because they haven't been taught the whole story. Well, statistically, they're right. They will fail. They will fail. But you can only succeed at the highest level if you fail. Yep. But that's, that's the big thing. Like, they don't tell you that. Yeah. Because you're, failing. You're probably going to have to fail twice, too. <laughs> You're Sorry about that. You're going to have to fail a lot. <laughs> well, statistically, <laughs> it's twice failed, and then the third time will be fine. Uh, but yeah, but yes, your point is absolutely. You're constantly failing. If you're failing, um, if you're failing upwards, you're probably failing in the right direction. Yeah, and like you know, what if you just gave failing a different meaning, <clears throat> right? Learning. Yeah. Maybe that's the only failure. If you don't learn something from the failure, that's the failure. Otherwise, you're just going to do it again and you're going to do it better and you'll just get better. Mm -hmm. So this is a concept that I'm, I think has been lost in today's generation, which is grit. So if you just do the same thing over and over and over and over and over, you will continue to move forward. But there's, I don't know if you've seen this or noticed this, but there's just a lack of grit. I don't know of a better way to say it. It's just people just don't want to continue to push. They just want things that are just easy. And I think as a parent, I'm guilty of that. Like I caused that. That's my fault. Mm -hmm. So I'm reversing a lot of that right now. You know, my kids are 14 and 16 years old and it's not a great time to try to reverse stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think it's important. So now we're putting in things into place, you know, at, at the house and you know, there's responsibilities and Hey, we want you to be a productive member of this household, right? Cause eventually you're going to be a productive member of society. And so let's start now. What would be an example? So for example, they have, they both have chores, right? And if they don't complete their chores, then there's no allowance, mm -hmm. right? You don't work, you don't get paid. Still got to do the work. You miss, you miss deadlines. You don't get paid, but you still got to do the work. 
So my son is responsible for doing the dishes every single day. My daughter is responsible for doing the laundry for the house every single week. And they decided that those are the two things that they were going to do. I'm like, great. All you have to do is just be consistent. It doesn't take a whole lot of time. But I want you to understand that you doing this mundane task, but doing it consistently is one of the most important skills you'll ever learn in your life. Yep. If you can just if you can just power through these mundane things, I, I, what did I read the other day? It's like, you know, the people that are the wealthiest know how to do the most boring things without thinking that they're boring and they'll just continue to do them and the boring things make you rich. The new exciting things rarely make you rich. Mm-hmm. And I'm 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 guilty of that too. Like I'm like, oh, squirrel, shiny penny. Mm-hmm. Oh, another. I have another idea. It's a real risk when you're an entrepreneur because you're like, I could start another business. Like, no, 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 no. Focus on the one you're working on. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, well, let's talk about OsteoStrong. Um, before we get to the the business mechanics of it, uh, let's talk about what it is first. Um, sure. So how did you first hear about it? What is it? Um, give me give me your backstory on that one a little bit. Yeah, so when I was at uh, another Tony Robbins event, I was walking around with a buddy of mine, and there was this equipment just laying out on the floor, and it looked like it looked like gym equipment. And I was like, hey, this looks interesting. So I talked to the guy, and I was like, hey, what, what's this all about? And I was, met this guy. His name was uh, Dr. Jake Wish. And he was like, oh, you know, I invented this stuff. And I'm like, oh, cool. Tell me about it. He's like, yeah, so I invented this stuff to save my mother's life. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> I'm a mama's boy. You got my ear. <laughs> Tell me more. He's like, well, you know, this equipment, I invented it because my mother had osteoporosis. And he's like, do you know anything about osteoporosis? I was like, nope. <laughs> no, nothing about it. He's like, well, it's a deconditioning of the bone. And for the longest time, the medical community thought that it was a disease. So they, they still classify it today as a disease. But the way that he describes it is it's just a deconditioning of the bone. Interesting. And I was like, that is interesting. And he's like, yeah, you know, if you didn't have any muscles, would you have a muscular disease? I'm like, no, you're just deconditioned. Just go work out mm-hmm. and you'll build muscles. And I was like, okay, so tell me more. And he's like, yeah, so we developed this and the things that it helps with, obviously, for osteoporosis, osteoporosis is the loss of bone density. And osteopenia. And osteopenia is pre-osteoporosis. So those two things are incredibly important in the women's world. So there's a statistic, and this is from the CDC, not, not from us, but it's uh, after the age of 55, if you break a hip after the age of 55, you have a one in five chance of dying within a year. That's crazy. In Is a that year. Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's insane. And nobody's talking about it. So what is what has the industry been doing about it? They've been handing out magic pills that are supposed to support bone growth. But they don't. They They do very, very little and the majority of them actually do the opposite of what you want. And they have side effects. And they have massive side effects. Mm -hmm. So he created this set of machines 
that was a holistic approach to reversing an irreversible disease. And I was like, oh, that's pretty interesting. So now I have like this picture of my mom up and she had osteopenia at the time. And I was like, hmm, all right, check. <laughs> and he's like, it also helps with fibromyalgia. I'm like, shit. How, how's that? Check. How's that? So I don't want to go too deep into the the why, but sure. there's there's all of these things happening inside of the body that we don't fully understand yet. When you start strengthening the musculoskeletal system, which is your bones, your tendons, your ligaments, and your muscle, all of these interesting things start to happen. So this is so for example, we also help with type two diabetes. So how do we do that? Well, Muscle density. Inside of the muscle cell, there's these things called myofibrils. And the more myofibrils that you have, those are insulin receptors. So you can handle sugar better. Hmm. So people that come and use the OsteoStrong system for six months consistently, this is a, a key thing. It's got to be consistent. Without changing their diet, we're able to drop their A1C by 0.6%. That's crazy. Which is unheard of. Right, because usually it's incredible amounts of workouts plus a regimented diet, and that stuff works totally. And you should totally do all of it together. <laughs> like the, you should, if you're gonna, if you're, if you have type two diabetes, you should be doing all of these things. But it's just showing like the efficacy of what one modality can do for type two diabetes. So back to fibromyalgia. How does it help with fibromyalgia? Well, let's take a step back. What is fibromyalgia? Do you know? No. It is undiagnosed pain. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> like you go to the doctor and like, yeah, not sure. Fibromyalgia. <laughs> like I thought it was I thought it was something related to the nerves specifically, but So they don't know. They don't know. So they don't know. You know what they prescribe for fibromyalgia? Uh, probably oxycodone or something. <laughs> Antidepressants. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Because Funny enough, when you feel better, you have no pain. When you get sad, pain shows up. So what is this really a problem of? And my mom was on medication. She was on Cymbalta for over 16 years. And I wanted her off of the stuff because like this, this stuff is, is crazy. Once you get on this, the doctors recommend that you never get off. Kind of like statins or something. Yeah. Well, it's statins you can kind of get off. But for this, um, I talked to her. We, we worked with her doctor. I'm like, hey, let's, let's create a plan to wean her off over time because this set of machines is supposed to help with this. So six months later, you know, the doses just start to dwindle a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, and then it's gone. So then six months later, she has completely stopped her cortisone shots for her chronic hip pain. And then at the same time, this mysterious fibromyalgia is disappeared. It's gone. How does this happen? One of the most interesting, and I don't have any scientific proof about, <laughs> about what I'm about to say, sure. but here's what I think happens. What I think happens is that when people use the osteostrong system, because it's strengthening your entire musculoskeletal system, 
you start to feel better. There's a reason why people come to us with chronic back pain, chronic joint pain, chronic hip pain, and they start to feel better because things start to get stronger. Your bones start to get stronger. The tendons and ligaments, they start to thicken and get stronger. The connection points of those things into the bone become more solid. Mm -hmm. And you know that if you have any kind of pain, let's say you have a paper cut, tiny little paper cut but anytime you touch it to something there's a little bit of pain and it prevents you from doing a little something like cooking or something like cooking or tying your shoe or anything imagine having that in all of your joints now if you have this undiagnosed pain what if when you started strengthening your bones, your tendons, your ligaments, your joints started to get stronger, more stable, that that pain started to recede. And when the pain started to recede, now you feel better. And when you feel better, the fibromyalgia goes away, the symptoms go away. So what if you could feel better without taking an antidepressant? Interesting. That's kind of what I think is happening. So let's talk about what it, the machines actually are, how they work and all that stuff. Yeah, so there's there's four different machines that target four different parts of your body. The The whole thing is based on Wolf's Law. So Wolf's Law is a 100-year-old law that talks about your, your body will adapt to the environment around it. And why that's important to the machines is because in order for you to strengthen bone, we needed to compress the long bones, and axially, end to end. And when you compress the bones, because bones are pliable, right? right? They, they're they not meant to be as hard as a table. They're not meant to be like a glass rod that is is hard, but... Brittle. Brittle. Right. So when you are able to compress these bones, so we have ones for your hip, we have ones for your spine, we have ones for your upper body... When you compress that, what's happening is that your brain, neurologically, you're like, hey, there is an event that is happening. And that event is going to cause more bone reformation to start happening, remodeling to start happening. So an easier example, there's a movie back in the day, like 80s movies. Yep. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh-huh. Kickboxer. <laughs> Ever seen this movie? Uh-huh. Okay, so he, and there's this one scene where he's kicking a bamboo tree with his shin over and over and over and over and over until it's, like, bloody. So why is he doing that? Bone conditioning and removing his nerves. <laughs> yeah, it's bone conditioning. Every time you go through that pain, that bone becomes stronger in that area. And, you know, it's something a little something more people can understand is that when you're a kid, you break a bone, like if you break your arm and it grows back, does it grow back stronger or weaker? I've heard both. Uh, depend. Some people are like, if I break my bone again, I'm never, I'm going to fully lose all functionality here. So yeah. So typically it's stronger. Yeah. Right. And when you break it again, you typically don't break it in this, in the same spot. Mm-hmm. But yes, there, there's there definitely some, a fear. <laughs> there's, there's some, especially if it's right near the edge of the bone that people are like, Ooh. yeah. So that's what the machines do. So there's four of them and then people come in once a week and most, most folks that come to us, 
they're, they come to us because they've gotten a diagnosis from their GP and their general practitioner says, Hey, you have osteoporosis. Here's some medication. So like, that's kind of like the first line of defense of, Hey, here's the medication. And there are more and more doctors now that are saying, okay, well, here's, you can do medication or you can do a holistic route. And back in the day, that holistic route was just, hey, just go do weight-bearing exercises. And then now what, what we're doing, what my major focus is for not even just Austin, but just around the world. There's 170 osteostrongs around the world at, at this point. I want to put in the minds of all the physicians that osteostrong beats osteoporosis. I just want to link these two words, osteostrong and osteoporosis. So anytime that they diagnose somebody with osteoporosis or osteopenia, pre-osteoporosis, I want them to think that there is a holistic route. Why? Why are doctors now listening to us that they didn't five years ago when I first opened? It's because I had zero credibility because they were just like, okay, show me the study, show me the study, show me the studies. I'm like, I'm not a major pharmaceutical company. I can't do a study with 100,000 people like that. So we just don't have that. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, we'll see what happens after a couple of years. So we were able to find people that were more progressive. that are just like, I'll do anything except for the medication. So then they came and saw us. So we spent time with them. And we've been doing this for five years now. And I'm happy to say that we have tons of people that have pre and post bone density tests that show positive improvement and it's not just a little positive improvement the thing that's blowing the doctors away is that this improvement is like 10 percent 14 percent things that are unheard of in the world and over what time period so depending on the age typically we see in the first year that they will stop all loss and maybe a little bit of improvement maybe like two three percent improvement and then we see the major gains on like two years. And this is like, this is the 10, the 14, the 16. Like we're seeing stuff that they just, the doctors have not seen before. So then we're just taking this back to the doctors and going, hey, doc, this is your patient. Uh, we didn't do the bone density test. This is from a third party. So what do you think? Have you ever seen any improvement like this before? And they're like, holy cow, no. Like, oh, maybe this is just a fluke. Maybe there's just <laughs> something wrong with the, the DEXA scan machine. And I'm like, all right, fair enough. But when you do it over and over and over and over and their balance is getting, you know, there's a 200% improvement in their balance. Their grip strength, there's massive improvement in their grip strength. The functional tests of just being able to get out of a chair. All of these things that we're constantly testing they're, these are markers that physicians understand. So not only do we show them the bone density test, but then we show them the functional markers of like, hey, look, this person can go outside and garden for five hours and not feel any pain and have the energy to do that. They were not able to do that before they came and saw us. So talk about the balance a little bit because I think that might confuse people based on what you said. Yeah, so there's three things that we focus on at OsteoStrong. three things that we're really, really good at. One is bone density, obviously. So bones, balance, and strength. So bone density, so we talked about the four machines. That's where you come in and you compress your machines, or you compress your bones on our (laughs) machines, and that's what triggers the bone growth. The the machines don't move really at all. 
<clears throat> now, so the machines don't move at all. You don't have to stack weights. Everything is computer controlled. You have uh, you have a tablet that shows exactly how much force that you're creating. And it's kind of gamified in a way. So we, you get to see how much you've created this week. You get to see how much you created last week, what your personal best was over time. And I think when I, if when I tell people what my personal best is, almost always people are like, you you're must what no you it can't be true i'm gonna say the number and i'm just like everyone listening is gonna go nope it's not true i <laughs> yeah. think it was three thousand eight hundred pounds on lower on the lower gt yep yep and i think you have seen this number so yep. you can cor- you can corroborate that, yeah. that i might be off by 100 pounds either way but that's approximately correct so the reason why people don't understand <clears throat> how you can create that uh, amount of force is because people are thinking in terms of a squat or a leg press. And they're like, how could you possibly move that much weight? You're not moving you're not moving weight. anything. You're creating force. And that force is at the very peak. And you're only hitting that, that number, that 3,800 number, for a fraction of a second. You're not holding it right. for 10 seconds. Right. You're not doing three sets of 10. But I'm also not jerking. I'm not, uh, <clears throat> it's not a kick, right. let's say. Um, I was talking with a couple of kind of power lifter guys uh, a couple days ago. And I'm like, I'd be really curious to see what you got. Because these are big, strong dudes. Yeah. I'm like, I'd yeah. be really curious to see how you guys do it. And both of them are kind of like, I think I might actually try this. So we'll see. Um, but they're like, yeah, but I can only squat like 600 pounds. I'm like nowhere near that. I'm like, yeah, but that's your that's measuring only the weakest part of your squat. That's right. The weakest part of your squat is able to get 600 pounds up. Imagine the strongest part of your squat where where your strength is. And like, oh, actually, maybe then maybe I could do that. Then. Yeah. And that kind of got their minds going. Yeah. There's also there was a NASA researcher that came and saw us for. I think it was uh, six months. So she came in every week for from Houston. And she was like, okay, I'm going to chart all of my progress. And she was an Olympic lifter and she was, she's a researcher. So she's very meticulous on all of the records that she keeps. So she had records of like two, three years of all of her power lifts, her cleans, her squats, her deadlifts, all of these things. Mm-hmm. She comes to our center for the first time and she's like, so what should I expect? What should I expect for coming here? I'm like, well, after your first time, you're probably going to go back and you're probably gonna, you're probably going to be able to improve your lift by about five percent. She's like, whatever. <laughs> like, she's like, I've been charting this thing forever and I never have gains like that. And I'm like, yeah, right, we'll see what happens. All right. So she comes in, she does her thing, she uses all four machines, and then she goes back to Houston. She comes back next week. And she's like, Deepak, holy shit. But it may have just been a fluke. I just may you may have right. planted a seed where right, I just right. did five percent more. Sure. And I'm like, okay, well, let's just keep going. Let's see what happens. So she does her next session. She goes back and she's like, Deepak, uh, I increased it by another three <laughs> percent. And this kept going on like week after week after week. And she was breaking her own records like almost every week. Mm-hmm. And this was just this was amazing. I believe it. Yeah. I, although it seems like first week is the first week. So is kind of like just do like 30%, 70% or whatever. Yeah. Like some, yeah. some don't go all the way. Don't go, don't hurt yourself. Yeah. Week one. 
but I but I could cer- certainly see it within the first month. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And it wasn't just the the number on the machine that was improving; it was how it translated to the actual weight on yeah. the Olympic lift. Yeah, that's where the gauge was. Like that's where the three percent and the five yeah. percent week over week yeah. were. It's crazy. Of course, on our machine, she's <laughs> yeah, she was a. Uh, I think she hit 21 multiples of her body weight wow. on the lower GT. Wow. Incredibly strong. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, but that's, I don't know how we got talking about that, but <laughs> we're supposed to be talking about balance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So talking about balance. But yeah, so <clears throat> three things that we're, that we're great at. So we just talked about the strength and we just talked about the bone. Now the balance piece of this is why do we care about balance? You know, if our core demographic are women, you know, 45 to 72, for example, that is a, that's our core. Those are the folks that need us the most because they're, they are at the most risk of breaking a hip. And that's the number one thing that we want to prevent. Well, yes, you can improve your bone density. That's one way to do that. You can also improve your strength. That's important too. Now, why do we need to improve your balance? Because we don't want you to fall to begin with. Mm-hmm. So if we can prevent the fall, and then if you do fall, you will have the strength to decelerate on the way down. And then if you decelerate too fast, you have the bone density to not break. Mm-hmm. So that's why we are the, the, the experts at those three things. Like those are, uh, that's our core. Yeah, I I think it's extremely unlikely that somebody is going to break a leg after doing Austria strong after, you know, a year or two years, <clears throat> partly because they just don't fall. I yep. think that's a big part of it. I think the balance, it was, it's sort of an underrated kind of a weird side thing. It's like almost, it's kind of like, Oh yeah, we also do this, but I, I don't think it's actually as kind of throwaway as it might seem. It's, it's definitely not. I mean, we, we yeah. get stories all the time, like a, we had in just simple things like, Hey, I was walking around the yard and I tripped over a hose and I didn't fall. And I'm like, yes, that's awesome. Yeah. And they're just like blown away to like, yeah. Uh, last year I would have fell flat on my face, <laughs> but just them having that I, ability. I awesome. have not fallen once since I've started doing us strong. Not once. Were you fallen before? <clears throat> not regularly, but you know, occasionally, you know, it slipped down the stairs or something, you know, just, yeah, kind of little bumps and bruises here and there, and not, not, no crazy, not like real falls or whatever, but you know, slips. Yeah, nothing, not even, not even kind of like temporarily losing my balance with socks or anything, nothing like that. Just, it's just, I think once you're attuned to what your inner ear knows as the the correct plane, it almost doesn't matter what angle you're at. So you can be kind of coming in hot at a weird angle. And you still know which way is up, you know what yeah. I mean? And that's kind of one of the, because a lot of the exercises are you close your eyes and you look in weird directions and mm-hmm. you're in weird positions and stuff. So your your inner gear gets really used to being in awkward positions and, and it's vibrating. So it's trying to get you off balance. At, I think it's at 30 hertz or so, yep. which is about the same amount, the same rate as your muscles contract. So your muscles are contracting and it's trying to get you off balance at the same rate it's really trying to throw you off. It's trying to buck you off the entire time. Yeah. The the whole, the whole point of the vibration plate that you're standing on when we do these balance exercises is really to put you on an unstable surface, because if I can put you on an unstable surface and you can stand on one leg, close your eyes and do a twist on an unstable surface, how are you going to feel on a stable surface? Mm -hmm. 
So this is probably one of the reasons why you feel supremely confident on concrete that's not shaking. Like, well, no, but even uh, I've, I do some like trail hiking or whatever, and, mm-hmm. and everyone else is like falling and sliding and whatever, yeah. and I'm just like, doo, doo, doo. I'm like a <laughs> like a mountain goat. Yeah. Well, you know, so one of the other thing that happens is that when you're on that vibration plate, is that you are turning on all of these different stabilizer muscles that you don't normally use mm-hmm. all day. Like most of us are just sitting typing and not using all these different muscles. I mean, I'm behind a desk like nine out of 10 hour work at work hours a day or whatever it ends up being. So, and the rest of the time I'm just like getting up to get a snack or something. (laughs) I'm like very sedentary and yet I am still probably one of the strongest people I know Mm -hmm. um, because of this. And we'll talk about the other thing in a second here. Um, But um, I really think the balance is, strangely highly useful in all kinds of weird little areas and um stabilization firing also upregulates testosterone or sorry mm-hmm. yeah, human growth hormone and i think Ish-ish, also tes- yeah. yeah and also i think also testosterone as well but but it just makes it so you're more you can grow muscle faster and it improves your tendons and all kinds of other stuff so and one of the other big things that it helps reduce injury Mm-hmm. Because you're turning all of these things on and you're doing things at weird angles at our center that if you ever fall or slip at home, you've already been in somewhat of that position and you've already turned that muscle on. So you're less likely to pull that muscle mm-hmm. because you've already turned it on. Right. Yeah. Another weird side effect uh, is I grew. I grew about a half an inch. Mm, yeah. That's typical. It's kind of a strange and when people ask me why, I, I, I'm like, something about my vertebrae? <laughs> I you know, dot, 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 not really sure. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we, had, uh, we had a member come in, and she was like, Deepak, I got to tell you something. I just came from the doctor. I'm like, oh, man, what's, <laughs> where, where, where is this going? And she's like, I don't believe this, but she told me I grew an inch. And I'm like, holy shit that's awesome because that's one of the things that she came in for because you know because of posture issues yeah yeah and she's like how did this happen what what are we doing here that that's helping this thing and and i didn't even believe the nurse so i said the nurse go get the doctor have the doctor measure me because i don't trust you because there's no way i grew an inch and she did she was standing an inch taller yeah and so one of the reasons is one your posture will get better because you're able to stand up straighter without pain. One of the reasons people have bad posture is because when they do stand up straight, chest out, shoulders back, it causes pain. Mm-hmm. When you remove that pain, then you can stand up taller. Second thing is, is that on one of our machines that is kind of compressing and then you are self-decompressing on the spine, you have all of this natural hydration that comes in and starts hydrating the discs. So now you have this kind of natural elongation of the spine. And is that going to give everybody an inch? No. But if you have lost height over time, people are gaining their height back because of these two reasons. So for those listening, if you've got uh, ladies in your life, this is definitely something they should know about, even if they don't have it. Because I, I see it more as prophylactic. That's why I do it. I have... Yeah. I don't have osteoporosis or osteopenia, um, <clears throat> but I also don't want to fall and die like one out of five chance a, within a year or whatever, whatever yeah. crazy stat you just 
said, like, that's just not a way I want to go. Um, if I'm going to die, it's got to be, you know, with gusto, you know, yeah. not uh, in a <laughs> hospital bed. Jeez. Um, <clears throat> so I, I recommend it to basically every woman I talk to. So at least let them know that it exists. Get the education. Out. Yeah. The, the big thing to, to add on to that is that doctors won't won't recommend a bone density test until they're in their 50s, which is ridiculous. That's, that's a long, really. It's just it's just too late because you can get osteopenia quite a bit earlier. Hundred percent. My wife had it, and she when she was forty three. Wow. And it just depends. It just depends on what impact level activities that you've been doing, you know, throughout your life. So I would say at least ask your doctor to get a bone density test just to know where you are, and if you are already getting close to being at risk, you don't want to start addressing this when you're in full blown osteoporosis. Yeah, I've recommended it to all the ladies in my life, and I know a couple of them are using it. Yep. Um, and so <clears throat> that's, as far as I can tell, that's about as good as a uh, job as I can do other than stuff like this and try to get the word out. But um, I would really love it if more people knew about this uh, and it grew to more locations and, you know, yep. just just made it super, super convenient. Um. So the way I found out about this was through uh, Dr. Jaquish's book. Um, uh, I was actually which on, one? Um, the weightlifting is a waste of time, uh, okay. like in small type, and so is cardio. <laughs> I know he was just doing that to bait a whole bunch of weightlifters and get them to buy the book. And oh, know, and it worked. Oh, it totally worked. <laughs> <laughs> but. If you've seen Jaquish's before and after photos, like he mm. is absolutely the real deal. Like mm. that guy's a monster. He's just yeah. all, you know, must just about as muscle bound as a human being could possibly be without being a, a comic book caricature. You know yeah. what I mean? And so I knew that he was telling the truth about what he was saying because here he, here he is doing it and he will show you how he's doing it. He's not, he's not like hiding it behind, you know, 80 rounds of steroids or whatever. Right. And, you know, you can do it with him. Um, but in his book, he was talking, as you said, about his mom and, you know, kind of how he went down this path of, you know, starting to learn about, you know, bone density. And he, I think he's actually on the osteoporosis board or like a... I think he used to be. American, yeah. American osteoporosis board or something. I forget what mm-hmm. it was. Uh, so, you know, I, it was kind of likened to being like the Tony Stark's... Uh, uh, Tony Stark of... Um, fitness. Of, of biomedicine or whatever, fitness. And, and the more... I read his book, the more I'm like, there's a, a ton of very hard earned wisdom in this book. Mm. And while I'm not prepared to go fully in the deep end on all metrics on, because there's a bunch of stuff in that book, like a lot. Um, I still thought it was extremely interesting that this thing existed. The osteo strong existed. And I'm like, I really want to try it. I just want to go in once and give it a try to know what it is because it's one thing to see it uh, like on a website. It's one thing to talk about or see it, sure. read it about a book, but it's very different to actually do it once in person and experience it. And mm-hmm. the, the closest I can liken it, it's it kind of reminds me of like the lower GT anyway. It's kind of like if you kind of wedge yourself in like between two walls or something, you know, and it was like perfectly aligned, which walls would never be, but kind of perfectly aligned your your height, and you could push without the walls breaking. 
because in my case, they were a hundred percent break and <laughs> it would go through walls. a hundred percent would break. And I know this for a fact, cause this has happened once. <laughs> well, there's a story my, there. My foot went right through the wall. Um, but, uh, if the wall could withstand that kind of pressure, that's yeah. exactly what it's like. And I'm like, there's nowhere, I, you know, you could go and, um, uh, you could do like weightlifting and you could do your one rep max, which is a lot of people yeah. will think that's the same thing, but that's only one rep of the weakest part of the motion and not the strongest part. So what would happen if I was able to finally be in a place where I could push as hard as a human could possibly push at the hardest part of all the motions? And, and for me, I'm like, I have to try it. I've got to try it. I got to try it once. And so I went in and tried it and uh, very quickly realized I, I need to come, come back and do it again. So I think I've been doing it around two years now, maybe just shy. Um, and uh, I don't see quitting anytime in the near future. So, and you're, the, the, the really cool thing is, is that you are continuing to get stronger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so people think that, hey, you know, there, there is a plateau. And some people do hit a plateau for six, seven months. I hit a plateau on, you know, the upper GT for almost a year and I just could not create any more force. And then I took a break for like a month, maybe, maybe two months. And I came back and I smashed it Mm. (laughs) and I was like, what, what is going on? (laughs) Cause I mean, there's, there's also a a mental game that you're playing, right? It's not all just physical. Uh, If you, it's it's taught me a lot about just being resilient. And we talked about grit earlier. And it's like sometimes you have to do something over and over and over and over and see no production from it or no result from it because you haven't you haven't gotten a new personal best mm-hmm. and you're just you're just not able to get it. If you just do it over and over and over and over and over and over, you will eventually get one level stronger. Yeah, for me, I got up to. Th- 38 ish, whatever the number actually was. And then we moved the the plate closer. Mm-hmm. So now I'm producing less force. Um, I'm in a less optimal angle for the, for the maximal amount of force, but I'm in a better position. Yep. And, um, and I'm like, I don't know that I'm going to ever get back to that number again. Like, I really don't think I'm going to get any, if I hit 3000, I'll be impressed. You know, like this is hard. This is really, really, really hard. And now in that tighter position that I'm in now, I think I'm at th- just over 3,500. So I'm, I'm creeping mm, up on my old yeah. numbers again. Yeah. Like, um, and once you get to 38, you're going to get to four because yeah. you're in your strongest range of motion mm-hmm. when you're almost at full extension. Mm-hmm. So once you get to that point, you're going to trip two tons. I, I think I will. In fact, uh, this last time I went, I was at over just over 3,500 and I'm like, I know I have just a little bit more in me, but I was a little bit worried because I, I hadn't seen that kind of stair step in a long time. I'm like, I better back it off just for myself, you know, make sure I'm not injure myself in the process and I'll, you know, sure. gradually go up to where I need to be. But I, I prefer the slow gains as opposed to these massive jumps. Of course, yeah. Uh, personally. So just, do we. Yeah, <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, I just don't want to cause any injury. But um, yeah, that's it's been a fascinating ride, I will say. Um, I've learned a lot about my body which I'll get back to actually. I want to, I want to talk about some other stuff first, but sure. So let, let's talk about the franchise. Like why did you decide, uh, to do, like franchise is kind of a hard model. And sometimes like there's a lot of things that you're, you're sort of bound by their marketing and whatever, like what, why, sure. why, why, why franchise? 
I was young and dumb. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, with the franchise, it, with, it comes support, right? And I had never run a retail center before. I, I had no idea how to run this type of business at all. So having a franchise that has some system of support, some system of um, process, and some system of marketing that they're already doing was a huge benefit for somebody like me who doesn't have that experience. So if you don't have that type of experience, going into that type of model is a great way to start. Mm-hmm. And in retrospect, would you recommend the franchise model to people? I do. I, I, I still think it's a great model you just have to have all of the systems and processes and all of the things properly executed. So, so what don't they tell you that you had to learn the hard way? <laughs> Cause there's gotta be a lot of crazy lessons learned in that. Yeah. I mean, I mean the number one thing is business is hard, right? You know, if it were easy, everybody would be doing it. And the second thing was, is that, you know, I wanted to build this thing like super fast. I bought three, and I wanted to keep opening the next one, next one, next one. And I was going to just move. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'll hire a bunch of people. I'll train the team. We'll get up and running. And then I'll step out and I'll go do the next one. Mm-hmm. As in a franchise, you need to be the owner operator for like at least nine months solid. That's the one thing Mm. that I tell every new franchisee. It's like, don't think that you're going to come in here and hire a manager a month later and then exit the business. And this thing is going to run on its own. And you're going to have this magical thing called passive income. No, it does not exist. You have to put in the time, the energy, the effort to build the culture, to build the process, to build the system. Even though that it's already documented on the franchise side, you still have to execute it. You need to make sure that your team is executing it what as team? well as you got to start are. with it. You got to get a team. You have to build a team. <laughs> right. And you know, we've, we've went th- gone through a lot of folks and uh, there's a whole learning process in, in hiring people. Right. And you know this. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, you know, over the last three years, I've got an incredible team mm-hmm. at this point. Like the folks that, you know, Heather and John, these guys have been the rocks and everything that I teach them, they're absorbing. They want to learn more. They want more responsibility. And they're like, they're like the best. They're really, you know, just as cliche as it sounds, extended family. Yeah. Yeah. They're great. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk about X3 a little bit, because this is another thing so this is how I went down the rabbit hole originally. Some hacker somewhere was talking about X3. and He's like, ah, I really want to try it, but I'm nervous. It seems like the craziest workout ever. And I'm like, oh, is this another P90X? Like people jumping up <laughs> and down kind of thing. Like, what? Yeah. what is this? So I, I went and did some research. And for those who've never heard of this thing, um, X3bar.com, I think is the website, or at least that redirects where it's supposed to go, Jaquish Medical, uh, Jaquish Medical. Um, but it's a, uh, Olympic bar that's, uh, maybe two feet longish, something like that. Um, I think they have a longer one now as well with these two hooks on it and you slip these 
basically, for lack of a better term, big rubber bands, like massive, super, super big rubber bands, but not the kinds you see in like little crappy gyms uh, that break, you know, you could easily just rip them apart kind of thing. These are yeah, like sur- sur- surgical tubing is what people normally associate yeah. with, uh, with elastic bands. <clears throat> and definitely not that. Uh, these are super thick. Um, I don't know what they're made of. Do you know? Layered latex. Latex, right. <clears throat> Which is a kind of a weird but very, very stretchy material mm-hmm. and it just keeps stretching forever. Um, and the other thing that comes with it is a ground plate. And um, so I looked at some people who were doing this online and like trying try to understand the, the workout. And um, he actually, uh, Dr. Jaquish actually posted a videos of him going through the entire thing. So backing up a little bit, I had, uh, I've been working out, basically my entire life, uh, doing different types of, you know, weight training or whatever. And, you know, came up in the days of Conan, the barbarian comic books, right. You know, like, you know, just get big, strong. Right. And, um, but I was, I was always sort of like stymied. I just could never get past this level. So I went and, uh, went to Bobby bodybuilding.com and, and I looked at Chris Gethin's website. He had this whole, like train with me or whatever. And so, so it's supposed to be like a 10 week program. I did the whole thing and then I kept yep. going and I kept going and I kept going. I probably mm-hmm. did it for half a year or so, even though it was supposed to be just 10 weeks and, you know, just eating, you know, chicken and vegetables and nothing that, but that and, uh, and, and working out and I'm not exaggerating here. Um, I think it was 19 times a week. So seven days, uh, d- two times doing cardio and then five days a week doing weight training. So you can do the math. That's a ton of time. Oh, t- tell me about it. Tell me about it. So I was working out at least two hours a day and probably more like three to four hours a day on the, you know, on the, on the heavy days. And, uh, and I was not gaining a ounce. I was n- like, my body was changing, but I was not gaining any weight whatsoever. You know, my, my body to fat ratio was definitely improving, but, but that's it. And then I started thinking, you know, cardio just seems like it's killing me. Like the cardio is the problem here. Uh, that and the fact that I was not salting any food was giving me crazy bad headaches. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I'm like, okay, there's some problems with this idea. So I started salting my food, got rid of the headaches right away. That was great. Um, and I stopped doing cardio and immediately I jumped up about 20 pounds um, and in muscle. And I'm like, oh, this is great. Like I'm, I'm actually getting strong, you know, the way. Just from stopping cardio. Just from stopping cardio. So mm-hmm. immediately jumped up 20 pounds. Yep. Um, and I'm like, this is great. I can, I can go harder now. My, my weight training, I can go way, way harder. And then I got an injury and it knocked me out for, you know, I don't know, probably six months to a year, like a long time. You know, wow. I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't even lift my cat. Like my shoulder was, was just absolutely destroyed. Um, and, uh, I finally was able to, do, I went through physical therapy and the whole thing. And like, <clears throat> I was finally able to get range of motion back and then finally some strength back and, and I went back and I started training again. I st- basically, I like I didn't learn my lesson. I just started doing the same thing over again. And I got, you know, I was strong, you know, not as strong as I was, but strong, you know, getting stronger. Sure. And um, again, just felt like I wasn't getting, I wasn't doing the thing. So then I came across this uh, X3. And mm. the thing that got me about it was, is like, imagine you have, instead of a static weight, you have this rubber band going around your back and you're pushing, you're pushing. But imagine a static weight. Let's say I can only lift 100 pounds off my chest, and that's mm-hmm. this. That's this. Any you know, an in, a pound more, and I just couldn't do it. But out here, my full range of motion when I'm pushing out here, 
100 pounds is really light. It's very easy by comparison. I could probably push 500 pounds, 600 pounds out here. But since I can't get it off my chest, I'm never going to be able to push 600 pounds. And so you're, you're always sort of on the bulk of the range of motion, you're doing way less than you should be doing. But with these incredibly thick bands, um, you can actually get a, a power curve that matches your strength as you're going out. I'm like, okay, that makes a ton of sense to me. Uh, and I like the fact that it's much less prone to injury, you know, slippage and, you know, all, there's all these other things that I just don't have to worry about. It's also very portable. So I can just throw it in a backpack and take it with me somewhere. And there's, there's all these things I like about it. So yep. I tried it. <clears throat> I, I got it, bought it. It's like 600 bucks or something. I got it. And, um, the first day I tried it, I had to sit down immediately after the first set. I'm like, I, I have never felt this burnt out after one set in my life. Like, I'm like, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to do the rest of these sets. Like, whoa, yeah. that was so, so different than what I was used mm-hmm. to. So I powered through, I did the whole thing and I'm like, okay, I, um, that was interesting. That was day one. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do day two and see how I feel. Right. Cause that, that was a lot. Right. So I do day two and, um, on the third day, I think you're supposed to take a day off after the first two days or something. When you're very first starting, it's it's when you're it's, beginning. It's it's very different when you're very first starting. Mm-hmm. So I took it with us. We were actually going on a vacation, so it was my first opportunity to take it with. I packed it in my backpack and we took it off. And and uh, my girlfriend at the time, um, fiance now, uh, we were uh, we were in this camping trip, and I'm like, I'm gonna try this thing again. So I tried it the second time. It was way easier the second time, much more manageable. I like my muscles had already adapted. And I could already tell my physique had changed slightly in just three days or whatever yeah. since I started. And it progressively got more and more and more. And to the point where I was very strong by comparison to where I was when I was doing those crazy workouts that I got those injuries. Sure. Very strong. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> But then I hit this kind of weird plateau. And then I started doing osteo strong and I kind of didn't think anything of it. I'm like, I hit this plateau. This is where I'm at. I'm, I'm just always going to use the, the black bands. Uh, that's just where I'm at. So I'm never going to get stronger than this. Um, I can tell uh, when I try to use the elite band, I bought it thinking I might be able to do it. Just could not do it. I could, I, I could get like half a rep out. I just couldn't quite get there. I started doing osteo strong within a month. It unlocked something. It's like, it's the way I can describe it. It's sort of like my mind had decided I wasn't going to be able to do this elite band. It's like my muscles were strong enough. My bones might be strong enough, but it's probably my tendons and my brain saying, you're not strong enough to do this. Like your tendons will get injured. You shouldn't do it. And yeah, it was basically neural inhibition. Yeah, it was neural inhibition. It was basically turning off my muscles, mm-hmm. just saying you're not allowed to go this hard. Yep. <clears throat> and I, I really wasn't meaningfully stronger between those two times but I do think my tendons and ligaments were way stronger, like not just a little stronger, like way stronger. And all of a sudden it just unlocked it. And suddenly elite band was, I wouldn't call it easy. (laughs) It's not the word I would use, but it suddenly became accessible to me. I was finally able to get to this next much higher level because that's double the weight. I mean, that's, that's not a a small jump. That's an enormous jump. Yeah. For people to, to just kind of visualize what, uh, what Robert's talking about, the black band, you know, at, at his height is probably maybe 400 pounds at full extension. Like, is it that high? I think it's, I think it's close to that. Close I thought it was to 200. 
No, I think it's I think it's more. No. <clears throat> well, maybe not double then. And then I think the the elite band is closer to like six hundred. Yeah. So maybe like three fifty, then jump to like six hundred. Okay, for right. the the elite band. Right. And the elite band is like, I mean, you could sit three people on and turn it into a swing. Yeah. Like that's how thick this thing is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I like into it's it's more akin to a tire than it is what yeah. you're thinking of of a rubber band. It's very 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 thick. So first of all, what's your, what's your feedback on that? Like that unlocking that next level of strength. Is that, is that something you'd expect or? Yeah, we actually, we use it both directions actually. So when we have women that are coming in and men that are doing their Oscar strong sessions and they hit a plateau, like if they're hitting a plateau on the LGT or the upper GT, then we're like, Hey, let's, uh, let's introduce you to X3. Because they both kind of govern each other. So when you're starting with Osterstrong, you're building, you know, this muscle density. But then the size of the muscle cell doesn't change, right? But what can you do to improve the size of the muscle cell? There is X3. So once people start doing X3 and they start building a bigger muscle cell, and then they come back to the Osterstrong machine, they start breaking records again. Mm Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you think that's, is that a muscular thing or is that, um, is that more the ligaments? I think that or? direction is a muscular thing, mm-hmm. right? Because you just need a bigger muscle cell. You just need more energy to be able to, to create more power mm-hmm. going from muscular to, and using Osteostrong to break through. I think that's a muscle density thing is what happens. So when you're using the Osteostrong machines, you're improving your muscle density. You're not doing anything to the muscle size. X3 is doing the size, but Osteostrong is doing the density. Mm. So now you have more myofibrils inside of that muscle, which allows you to create more power. Interesting. So it kind of, it goes both directions. Yeah, that's very interesting. <clears throat> so when I have other people try it for the first time, <laughs> yeah. Um, I always start them off on like these little baby bands, you know, like yeah. just, just little, little tiny bands. <clears throat> we have a bunch of them kind of lying around from, you know, different experiments and stuff. Yeah. And, um, it watching them the first couple for maybe first 10 reps, they're like, oh, this is what, this is so easy. And they're just like, no problem. Cause these little baby bands, right. Yep. They're, they're yep. super easy. <clears throat> and then they get to like 20, and like, and you can see their face starting to get flushed. And I'm like, oh, yeah, so well, I want you to stop at 40. And they're like, huh? you could see in their mind, like double what I just did. Like, then yeah. they get to 30 and, you know, they're now beat red and, and suffering. And now every rep is really labored and they're really having to work for it. Yeah. And these, you know, again, these little baby bands, these are like about as thick as a pencil, you know, yeah. maybe double that. And, uh, you know, they make it to 40. They always make it to 40 because it's it's sort of like a matter of pride, I think. And then they're done and they're like, they're ready to throw up. (laughs) They're like, I'm like, okay, so that's, that's one of, this is one of the, you know, sets. And then you do the next one and, and I kind of show them next one and very, very unlikely that they'll opt into the next one. They're like, okay, that was, I, I now see what I'm up against. Like, and then they'll like, they'll ask to see me do one and then I'll, you know, I'll pick out you know, the black band or depending on what exercise we're talking about, maybe elite. And, uh, and I'll do the same kind of exercise or whatever. And they're like, I don't, I don't think I could ever do that. Well, probably not unless you do it consistently. You have to do it right. regularly. That's right. But, um, 
I think there's a, there's a culture about, it's kind of a weird subculture, but called like band chasing, you know, go try to get to the next level. But sure. But for me, it was never really about that. I'm just, I'm kind of always kind of curious how strong I can get. Like what, what does that mean? Especially again, cause I spend nine hours on my ass all day. You know, <laughs> it's not like I'm out there. I'm not like an Olympic athlete. Sure. You know, it's not like I'm, but you do want to be the strongest you possibly can be because that only just benefits everything else. The level of energy you have, your immune system, all of the things benefit from you pushing your body. Mm-hmm. I think that's got to be true. Um, yeah. And, and so back to your, uh, your point about the, the three things working in combination. So this, this is where I think it all kind of like gets uh, kind of locked in. So if I'm about to get into a fall, the balance stuff, I can detect that I'm about to get in a fall much quicker and, and correct for it. Like, whoa, oh, oh, that's right. My, my feet, get my feet underneath me. That's whatever. right. But then I'm in a fall and um, a couple of the exercises like split squats, for instance, are great because you can basically catch your entire body. These are weighted squats um, with a band going underneath your foot. Mm-hmm. Um, you can catch yourself mid fall with just one leg. I mean, you're strong enough to like really grab yourself which is great. Um, so you're, you're not going to hit the ground. So no risk of injury there. I mean, you might, you might, uh, tear a, you know, a groin muscle or something, but you're not going to hit the ground fully and, you know, knock out your hips or something. But even if you do with OsteoStrong, you actually hit the ground, your, your bones are not going to break. So it's that combination of those three things. They're less likely to break. Yeah. For sure. Far less likely though. Yeah, like, right. um, and so the combination of the things, well, I don't get into falls. And if I do get in the falls, I stop myself. And if I fall, if yes. I actually hit the ground, I don't get injured. That's right. You're far. I think this, I would be really curious if we could actually run a study like this to see what the uh, longevity of people who do and don't use osteoporosis is. Because it's got to add years to people's lives. It has to. Yeah. hundred percent. Like many years potentially. Yeah. And uh, it's not just, and it's not just a uh, quantity. Right. It's right. quality. Yeah. The quality of life completely shifts. Um, like we're talking about the folks that, you know, can walk normally. They've been diagnosed with osteoporosis. They can walk and drive and do things normally. But then we also have folks that come in on a walker. And a year later, they're walking out on their own free will. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Hanging up the cane hanging up the walker don't need it anymore like imagine wow is that what is, the quality of life is that a muscle different. is that a leg muscle strength thing is that why were they it's, a- it's an everything thing uh. right so when people first come in number one god i can remember this this lady comes in with her assistant who drove her there and she comes in in her walker and i'm like who put you on this walker and they're like oh you know the the nurses at this clinic or whatever it was. And I'm like, you realize you're, you're hunched over like big time, like almost like super curved just so she can reach the bars. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, can we try something? And she's like, yeah, sure. So I raised the bar like five inches. So now she's standing up on this and I'm like, Hey, I just want to make sure that you're still stable. Walk around, make sure that you're still stable. And she's like, yeah, actually, this this feels good. And I'm like, it just blows my mind that people are let out of these clinics and put into a position where their posture is only going to get worse. Yeah, no kidding. And all of the pain 
that is going to happen. It's so, frustrating. Yeah, it's super frustrating, but it's also rewarding because I get to help them. Right. Right. So then this person comes in and then we slowly start to stand her up more and more and more. And as you know, we're improving her balance every time she's coming in. She's like, you know what? I, I don't, I don't think I need my walker. And we're just like, Hey, let's go. We'll be right here. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll walk with you. And she's just walking around the center and she's like, yeah, I feel pretty good. <laughs> I'm just like, this is so awesome. Like this is, Amazing. This, you know, this is one of the biggest reasons why I got into Ostrong to begin with. Right. Is that I got tired of tech. I burnt the boats. I'm like, I'm out. I hung up tech. I just shut it off. I'm going to go into Ostrong. I'm going to go into wellness because it's filling that contribution gap. And when I see people change their lives by being able to do something that they haven't been able to do, things that we take for granted, just walking across the floor without assistance, it is the most amazing thing ever. Like for me, like from a fulfillment standpoint, it is, it's awesome. I love it. I love, love, love that part. It's the best. So, I, just a, a quick funny anecdote. Uh, anecdote. Um, so when I was using the Elite Band, I, I was fairly new to it at the time. Um, you had two employees working for you at a the time. They don't work there anymore. Um, and they're like, uh, "So you you use the Elite Band, right?" And there, I could I could tell there was something up. Like they were they were they were doing something. I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." And and so the other guy goes over to his table and he pulls out the Elite Band. He's like this elite band, like trying to like pull one over on me, like, aha, like you're not using this one. I'm like, yeah, that's the one. And they both looked at each other and they looked at me like, no, you don't, there's no way you use this thing. I'm like, yeah, yeah. And they're like, we, we, we got to see you do this. So, so I, I'm like, okay, no problem. So I started doing it and uh, I got up to like 10 reps or so. They're like, okay, okay, stop, 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 stop. Like, and I could hear that. I'm like, okay. And I, I was doing something else, like talking to somebody else. And I could hear them kind of behind me. And one of them said, he was going to keep going. He could keep going. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I don't think they'd ever actually seen it happen before. Like, it's just like this myth that this can be done. But yeah. but it's like, had they focused on what were the tools right in front of them, they would have been just as strong as I was. 100%. It's, yeah. it's, it, it, I thought that was interesting and strange. Like, come on, guys, you're right there. Well, you, know? you got you got to think that you know some folks are coming from a traditional training background where you have to do three sets of ten of everything to be effective. And for for people to see that if they do Ostrich consistently, as well as doing X three consistently, the amount of power and energy you can generate is there's a reason why the Miami heat is using X3. There's a reason why all of these professional athletes are using yeah, some X3. formula one drivers are starting to use it too. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's, it's because it's incredibly effective. Uh, to your point about the, um, three sets of 10, my entire workout is like 20 minutes. Um, the rest of the time I am not working out. I used to work out three to five hours, you know, depending on the day at the worst five hours a day, but definitely three hours was regularly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I was weight training, um, sometimes on the weekends, maybe as much as f- five to six hours, like I was working out like crazy. 
I am way stronger than I was back then. I'm, I have never been stronger <laughs> than I am right this second. Um, um, in fact, um, I went back to jujitsu after 25 years of hiatus. Um, and I was very nervous. Oh, wow. I was very nervous because a lot of these guys, they're literally half my age. Sure. And they're monsters. These are like green berets and, you know, Navy SEALs and you know, just these, you know, firemen, you know, these ma- massive dudes, like really all just burly and ripped. And, um, and I'm going in and, uh, I have not even thought about rolling really at all in 25 years. Not, not yeah. exaggerating. Yeah. And I went in there and I'm wrestling, you know, rolling with, uh, brown belts and, you know, purple belts and whatever. And definitely above where I'm at by quite a margin. Yeah. I did not felt, I did not feel for one second that I was physically outmatched. Mm. Not one second. There was not a single, I, I, my cardio was not as good as theirs, um, which makes sense since I sure. do none of it. <laughs> and we're sitting nine, 10 hours a day. <laughs> but, but my physical strength was easily this on par or stronger than the guys uh, who were in there religiously and, you know, very high belts. And, um, and this is a good school. This is not, uh, this is not some, you know, belt factory or something. Yeah. And so I, I feel like that's a huge testament. If I can 20 minutes a day and it'll really have a very sedentary lifestyle for the most part, the rest of my time, get the kinds of benefits that I need out of it. Like, why wouldn't you do it? Like, and, and the thing is, this has been such yeah. a hard sell for me. I've probably recommended X3 to... I don't know, probably 50 people, um, over the years. And I know exactly other than our family, exactly one other person who started using it. And I'm like, I just don't get it. Why, why is this not something you've just decided? Okay. I'm going to go do it immediately. You know, it's a, it's a mindset. It's a, that, that can't possibly be, that can't possibly work or that can't possibly work for me or, it's not worth the 600 bucks. You can use code Austin, save 50 bucks. <laughs> but there's, you will come up with any type of excuse to stop yourself from doing something. And it's like a, God, what did I just hear the other day? It was, you have to understand your short term gains versus your long term gains to really make the best decision for you. And so many of us, and I'm guilty of this sometimes too, like we'll, we'll take the short path, but we know it's not good for us long-term. But what people don't understand about, you know, something like X3 and Osterstrong is that it's easy to be consistent. Anybody can start a gym membership at the beginning of the year and go three, four or five times a week for the first three weeks how many of those people are doing five times a week for the entire year? Mm -hmm. That's the trick. How do you stay consistent? And because the workout is, you know, it's literally probably eight minutes of actual work for a workout. Uh, And the rest of it is this kind of time. um, Yeah. At worst, that's the worst it would ever be. Worst case. Yeah. Yeah, That's worst. And that's you crushing it. Yeah, and uh, I I was just telling uh, some folks the other day. I was like, "Look, I've got I'm doing biceps, right? Yeah. And this is four minutes of bicep and, and curls. How, old are, how old are you? I'm 48. Right. So that's four minutes of biceps a week. <laughs> 
four minutes a week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What can somebody do that's 20, 25, 30? Yeah. I'm almost 50 years old. Yeah. But this is beautiful for me because of all the reasons you talked about earlier. I can throw it in a backpack. I can travel with it. It only takes me 15 minutes. I don't, I don't get injured. Mm-hmm. And that's another big one. The injury piece, because when you're in your weakest range of motion, that's where most of the injury happens. And there's virtually no weight there. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened for me with my shoulder. There you go. I was trying to lift. I'm not exaggerating. 325 pounds. And uh, yeah. it's pop. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like to your question earlier, why aren't people doing it? It's uh, it's the same reason why people get overweight. It's not because there's a secret to not getting overweight. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's just something else going on. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Um, and uh, about the, the price point, for me, <clears throat> I've owned tons of gym equipment in my life. I, I actually had an entire same. room. I had a Smith machine and yep. all kinds of crap. And uh, all of that stuff cost way more. And you could way fill a more. full garage. Yeah, you can. And I got a worse workout and I got injured. Uh, so yeah. I, don't, I don't know why I would ever switch back. I just, I can't, I can't come up with a reason to switch back. The only thing I can think of is maybe, you know, uh, try to find other ways to incorporate bands and other types of workouts. But that's like, that's just like incrementally slightly better, you know? You know, I'll tell you, I I went to, uh, so I went to the the Goonies house in Astoria the other day and my buddy. Explain that because that's, that's a funny story. So so I'll I'll get back then just one (laughs) sec. So I'm visiting my buddy and my buddy's like, Hey, I want to go to the gym. And I was only there for like two days, so I didn't bring the X3. I'm like, I don't really want to go to the gym. (laughs) I have no reason. Like, I I will never. My whole thing was that I don't need to touch another conventional weight ever in my life. And he's like, I just come keep me company. And I'm like, all right, cool. Now, so we just we go to the gym, and he's like, I just do this exercise with me. And it was like this incline press on like a Smith machine. And I'm like, all right, fine. I'll just I'll just do it. Just keep you company. And it was the most painful thing I have felt in I don't know how long. Like the doms after that workout lasted almost a week and a half. Mm. And one of the things that people don't really understand about X3 is that when you have that soreness, that's actually not a good thing. Right. It's, it's tearing your it's ligaments. It's tearing the muscle. Like people, yeah. like we've had this kind of mindset of over the last 50, 60 years of, oh, you need to tear the muscle so the muscle can repair. Well, now we know there's better science. The better science says, no, you just need to fatigue the muscle cell completely so then it can grow back and it'll get bigger. Well, and without keep, and it. keep it under tension. That was another big finding. Yeah. If you can keep it under tension for at least one full minute and preferably a little bit longer than that, you're as opposed to a lot of the, the weights that you'll, you'll rest them on your, sh- on your uh, chest yeah. or whatever, or when you're doing a bicep curl, you'll rest at the top. People don't think of that as a rest, but it is a rest. Correct. So you're not under tension in that, in that part of the range of motion. So if you can keep it under tension the entire time, it has dramatically improved the uptake of uh, human growth hormone and all that other stuff. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, yeah, I'm huge fan, huge fan. I, I try to get people to use it all the time. Uh, yeah. So after that workout, I was like, look, dude, I'm not going back. So if I go back, I'm bringing the X3. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, so tell about the your friend. Yeah. So my buddy, my buddy Bayman, he uh, he decides uh, one morning he he couldn't tell me about this thing. So I'm sorry. So I wake up one morning and I'm getting ready. I'm going to start the day and I look at my Twitter feed. And my Twitter feed shows, hey, this guy bought uh, the Goonies house and bought Mikey's house in in the movie The Goonies. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, I'm a massive Goonies fan, hence that's why I'm wearing the shirt. Yep. Goonies never say die. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit, this is, this is super cool. And so I just keep reading the article, and it's like, yeah, Bayman Zachary bought this thing. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what is going on? And, like, so I talked to him, like, 10 seconds later, and he's like, dude, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you. Like, we were under contract, and we do all these things. <laughs> and uh, I was like, this is the most amazing thing. I'm going to help you fucking rebuild this whole thing. Like it's yeah, going to yeah. be awesome. So next thing you know, I'm in Astoria, <laughs> Oregon, <laughs> at, uh, flying across the country. And I walk up to Mikey's house and I walk up to Mikey's house. And you know, this, this is such a part of like my childhood. This yeah, is like, it's totally. such a part of like my mindset of just, I just want to be part of this adventure. So I go to the house and then like I step inside the house and I'm just like flooded with all of these like memories of just every part where every character was in the movie and we're just kind of walking around. He's giving me the tour of the house. We go up to the attic and it's just my mind is just like, oh my God, this is the most amazing thing. And I get to stay here. Like this is this. Freaking, it was so awesome. That's was so Josh cool. Brolin lifting weights up there? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's funny because, like, in the beginning, I was like, hey, look, I'm going to help you rebuild this house to what it was in the movie. So I watched the first 20 minutes of the movie, and I kept pausing it every three seconds. I cataloged everything in that house. Like, I wrote it down in a spreadsheet. And then we went to, you know, the Goonies fan club, and I was like, hey, look, you want to be immortalized in the Goonies house? We need people to donate these items. We need to get everything that, that was there on that spreadsheet into the house. So people were sending stuff from like Italy, from like <laughs> Australia. And I'm like organizing this whole thing. And yes, Josh Brolin's little chest expander thing. Yeah, like yeah. we have like three of those things now. <laughs> we got the statue of David and this guy, uh, like uh, yeah. he built this whole thing and like the, the penis was detachable. Yeah, like yeah. it had a magnet on it so you could flip it upside down. Like the whole thing. That's really funny. Yeah. It was just uh is being able to be in in like your childhood, your favorite movie of all time. Like that's what this is for me. Uh-huh. It was just such a gift. And I'm like, I'm, I'm so grateful that Bayman bought this because his whole thing was like, he, I just want to keep the Goonies thing alive. The, the Goonies culture alive. Mm-hmm. And he's the perfect person on the planet to buy this. That's great. So he is now forever the head Goonie. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, he deserves it. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, it's it's been a wild ride, and there's some pretty big things coming. So oh. next time we chat, we'll, we'll talk about it. All right, all right, <laughs> cool. I love the Goonies. Um, all right, so I'm kind of curious back to the health stuff. Um, how you feel about cold plunge? So I think cold plunge has has its benefits, and I think the number one benefit is is that you are able to train your mind to do something that you really don't want to do. So the actual health benefits of going into the cold water and then coming out of it, 
it's it's not clear what it is. But what is clear is that if you can control your mind to do things that you don't want to do, are you going to be able to get more things done? I think the answer to that is yes, like like resounding yes. Because now things just become a little bit smaller. Like I just scaled that wall, which is climbing into 36 degree water, which I know is going to feel like complete shit. Like that is going to be really painful. But after you do it, you're like, okay, well, if I just need to do a couple of emails and, you know, put out some new stuff, that's pretty easy compared to climbing into that thing. That's right. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the um, that parable. I think it's a sales thing um, about eating the toad in the morning. Because if you eat a toad yeah, in the eat morning, the frog, yeah. yeah, eat the frog in the morning. Because mm-hmm. if you eat the frog in the morning, your rest of your days can't be possibly worse than having <laughs> eaten right. the frog in the morning. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been doing it um, semi frequently uh, for the last couple of months, and um, uh, mostly because I think the, the testosterone uh, uptake, um, increasing your amount of testosterone, blood serum, testosterone. Um, I think is probably the major reason I would do it. Um, but I definitely think it's uh, kicked up my metabolism. Um, How often are you doing it? Every day. Every day? Yeah. In the morning, first thing? Uh, in the morning, not necessarily very first thing, but within the first half hour, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, be definitely before I work out because um, I'm not trying to uh, reduce inflammation from the workout. I want to have that inflammation stay high to produce basically stretch out the fascia uh, around the muscle. Inflammation is good. Yeah. <clears throat> in, in that context. Yes. Yep. Um, but, um, but I'm kind of curious if, uh, if you've thought about doing any studies or heard any studies around the use of X3 and, and cold plunge, or if you, if you think those things are kind of totally separate or. I think it's just one of those additional modalities that if you have access to it and you have the ability to do it every day, that it's only going to benefit you, right? It's like if you can do cold plunge or red light or, you know, leg compression, like any of those additional modalities, I think is going to support your health. Mm -hmm. So I think all of them don't necessarily need to stack on each other to be wicked helpful, I just think that the more that you do, the better you're going to be off. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk about diet um, because that's the other half of it, right? Uh, yeah. Diet and exercise, right? Those are the two. Um, so first of all, do you have any opinions on what a perfect diet would look like if you were to try to tell somebody, here's what you should be doing? I don't think there is a a perfect diet for every single person. I think uh, there's there's a lot of like legacy thinking and legacy mindset in in the nutrition world. So everything is is a controversy. Whether you're vegan, whether you're vegetarian, whether you're on the standard American diet, the sad diet, or whether you're keto or whether you're carnivore, there. I think there is something for everyone, but there are some baselines. And I think the baselines are if you just remove a few things like sugar, like processed food, like limiting your carbs, no matter what other of those diets that you are or what the way of eating that you are participating in, if you just remove those three things, you will be better off than 90% of the population. So I think that's where everyone should start. 
Yeah, my doctor put me on a <clears throat> low carb diet, which I was not super thrilled about because I love my carbs. And, me too. Uh, <laughs> and uh, within about three months, I lost about twenty pounds, um, and uh, I I do not feel weaker. Uh, so my muscles maintain their strength. If anything, I got stronger. Um, and um, since that point, I've probably lost another 10 pounds. Um, so I'm down around 30 pounds. And again, stronger than I've probably ever been in my entire life today than I, you know. Awesome. Um, so. What is your diet currently? Uh, it's basically just low carb and carnivore-ish. Uh, so I primarily eat meats, um, but I also augment it with some vegetables. And, um, sure. and I probably have between 40 and probably well i would say maximum 100 uh, carbs a day but usually more like 60 carbs or less so mm. 40 to 60 carbs which is kind of a weird hard number to hit that's kind of a sweet spot that's a little difficult to get to but um but even on my quote-unquote cheat days or whatever i'm like i'm just at like 100 let's say um i, I really never go above that yeah so um and um, just normal kind of vitamins and you know lots of water have you tried going full carnivore temporarily uh it What's is temporarily um you know just a handful of days in a row not uh not for long long term yeah usually you, you got to give it like three weeks yeah to, to make I, to make the switch my, my stomach didn't like it it revolted um <laughs> which is a, a, apparently a very common thing to have happen yeah um well well what were you eating it's just uh steak and chicken i think so um, chicken doesn't work uh, if you don't have enough fat because chicken's very, very lean. Mm -hmm. So if you were to ever give this a shot again, I would just try getting a bank of ribeyes, toss them in the freezer and just do like two ribeyes a day. I think that might work, but I also think my stomach was revolting for another reason, which is that the flora in my stomach was used to carbs. And suddenly didn't have any. And so it's just like absolutely dying off. And uh, that sort of turned my insides inside out. And <laughs> so I'm sure you can imagine. Um, that's common. That's very common. I And I've heard that before. The purge. Yeah, the purge. Uh, and then the other thing I was not particularly a fond of, of is going to ketosis. Um, so the very, very low carb diet is not, not for me personally. But I think a low carb diet um, of, you know, a handful of carbs a day. And really I'm just, what was happening? Uh, extremely bad breath. Um, so the, um, mm. the ketoacidosis, uh, was not something I enjoyed, nor did my significant other. So <laughs> I've never heard of that before. Is, You've that, never is heard that a thing? Oh yeah. Oh really? yeah. Yeah. Ketoacidosis. Is that is just in the beginning thing. when like when you're trans, when you're um, like converting from an old diet to a new? Um, I'm not entirely sure if it continues on or if it comes on and off, um, but it definitely, I had about three or four days of it, and I'm like, that's plenty. That is plenty for me, uh, three or four bad. It it's basically tastes like you have acetone in your mouth, um, and yeah. it's not a, not a wonderful experience. So for me, it wasn't that wasn't the right diet, uh, given my need to be social and, you know, talk to people in person and, you know, warding them off with my breath was not an option. Wait, do I have bad breath? <laughs> <laughs> not from here. <laughs> talk all you want. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that, that definitely is a real thing though. That definitely happens. So, 
Yeah, I've been uh, I've been paying attention to health and fitness and just being generally just athletic, you know, my entire life. You know, I first started really looking into kind of the biohacking world when uh, Dave Asprey put out Bulletproof Coffee. And that was my first foray into, you know, some version of fasting. Right. So it's like fasting from sugar. And I've been on and off doing that for almost seven years. Mm -hmm. So I'll have like two tables, like this morning I had two tablespoons of butter in my coffee and that was breakfast. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have to do that now because I can't eat enough fat steak. Yeah. It's a fat to get, to get the fat. Right. That's right. And I need more and more fat and I don't have enough fat then I'll have to eat some carbs. Otherwise, I'll start to get lightheaded. Yeah, what about uh, like cheese and that kind of stuff? Yeah, cheese and stuff is fine for me because like, I'm not lactose intolerant, so that doesn't bother me sure. at all. Um, but typically, you know, if I have a couple of tortillas or, you know, my kryptonite is chips and queso, like, God, I love chips and queso. <laughs> it's my favorite. Um, but I train, right? So the way that I look at it is like during the week when I'm eating the steaks every day, like when I am on, I'm eating probably two ribeyes a day. And when I'm very, very disciplined, when I travel, it's really difficult. But when I'm on, it's like two ribeyes a day. And then on the weekend, if we decide to go to a Mexican restaurant, I'll eat chips. Like I don't care. Yeah, it sure. doesn't doesn't bother me. Um, as long as you don't eat too many you're fine no like it's it's even like it will i'll order a pizza and i'll crush an entire pepperoni pizza by <laughs> myself like a large pepperoni pizza okay i'll feel like shit the next day sure but tastes delicious i oh, love it yeah yeah but my body will bounce right back because the majority of the time i'm taking care of my body mm-hmm. right i'm exercising regularly i'm doing all of the things so every once in a while you can treat yourself yeah yeah, and it's sometimes it happens by accident. Um, like you're just not thinking about it. Like, oh, that's a very carpy thing. Like, I was at a um, a meeting a while back, and they had like those little bowls of popcorn, kind of like out on these little tables, mm-hmm. kind of as people were socializing. And I just didn't even think about it. I'm just eating all this popcorn. And then like, I'm like power through about half of the bowl. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, I bet that had tons of carbs in it. Whoops. <laughs> you know, just, but you know, you're talking to somebody. So it wasn't like I was paying attention to what I was yeah. doing. Uh, so it does happen, but by virtue of taking care of myself, most of the time, I think you're right. I think it's my body just like, it's okay. We'll, we'll deal yeah. with these carbs now, but you know, yeah, it, it gets, it gets used to not having them. Yeah, if you want to have a bowl of ice cream, go have a bowl of ice cream, yeah. but go work out afterwards. Go move. Don't just sit on the couch and Netflix mm-hmm. for the next three hours. Mm-hmm. Do your eight minutes of X3. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So there is this uh, study, National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute, NHBLBI. That's kind of a mouthful. And the National Institutes of Health, NIH, uh, funded a Tufts um, program called the Food Compass Food Scoring System. Mm. And they rated mini wheats and honey nut Cheerios at 87 and 76 collectively, and ground beef at 26. Oh, I saw this. Extremely low. Mm. So I was kind of curious, like how you feel about how sort of the mainstream media and um, the sort of the scientific consensus, if, if there's such a thing, how they're sort of treating health and 
I mean, I think this is a pretty good example, but I know there's tons of other examples of food pyramid and so on. Like how bad is the government at dealing with health for the nation? Well, just take a look at the nation today and like, what's the average? The average is people are overweight, right? Like how many people have type two diabetes, which is a curable thing. It's not a, it's not a lifelong sentence. And what is, what is the recipe to cure things like type two diabetes? It's not a secret. It's very simple. Reduce your sugar. And when when they put out studies like this, it, it has to make you think. Like the, the first question that goes through my mind is, okay, where is the money coming from? Follow the money. And we've all heard of like big pharma, big, but there's also like big food. And we know this, right? So we know that the food pyramid back in the 80s is bullshit. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. Cereal? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just sugar right. and carbs. It's, right. just, it's the worst. Yeah, I don't think people necessarily all know this, but the gly- on the glycemic index, bread and cereals are, th- are worse than sugar somehow. It's like you could eat sugar and you'd be better off than you would. Like refined white sugar, you'd be better off than if you eat a slice of bread. It's actually higher on the glycemic index. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure why that is, but it for fruit it makes sense. Simple because, carbs. Yeah, it's, it's sim- even a more simple carb. Like if a, if you have something that has like a fiber component to it, then there's a little bit of an offset. Um, but yeah, it's a when things are coming from the government things are coming from mainstream media you always have to put your your thinking hat on and be like okay why are they saying this is this is this true and if you just think logically and you know that sugar is probably the worst substance on the planet next to cocaine cocaine may be number two <laughs> but sugar is widely accessible kills and, more people and it's part of culture and it kills more people yeah so what should we be focusing on as a country should we, should we be focusing on putting out a study that says frosted mini wheats and honey nut cheerios are better than natural ground beef that's just it's ridiculous so in their defense, um, they didn't say this, but it was actually a meta study on top of their study that said, or on top of their program that basically said, this is the result of your crazy algorithm. Yeah. So they didn't actually come out and say that, but that's the indefensible bullshit that comes out of there's this new pr- paradigm of, of the way of thinking about food. Like they're so backwards. They can't come up with a model that just, just, Looks at the glycemic index. Like, just, just look at that. Well, if you, if you just look at that, you're probably <laughs> like 95% better off than all these other crazy food pyramid designs or whatever they're coming up with. Yeah, I agree. It, you don't have to think too far past just that one metric. Mm-hmm. But if they did a meta, meta-analysis, which means that they looked at multiple studies, combined the data, and then drew some conclusions... Mm-hmm. If you just looked at the individual studies on frosted mini wheats or on um, the Honey Nut Cheerios, who funded that study? Mm-hmm. Kellogg. <laughs> I mean, 
you just you just got to follow the money. And when you look at like large scale or studies, whomever, whomever owns or whoever, yeah, yeah, whoever it is, it takes an a lot of money and capital and time and resources to put together studies like this. So who stands the most to gain from that study from all of the individual studies? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're right. Uh, as soon as I saw it, I'm like, wow, this, this really stinks. Like um, uh, people who grow wheat, and the industry around that and who want people to consume more wheat um, grains with their very high glycemic index. It's almost certainly who funded it originally, originally through the NIH and kind of trickled down to Tufts and they're all sort of in bed with one another. And, um, you know, I I used to believe that these conspiracy theories were just that there, it just can't be true. I really just, I'm like, no, because it's so difficult to organize this kind of corruption. But this is the kind of corruption that's been around for so long. It's just existed from the almost the very beginning. There, it's Now it's a cottage industry of corruption. <laughs> it's, it's just been there. And it's just hard for people who aren't in it to see it. And even people who are in it, they're just part of the cog of the wheel. They're just, they're not even, they're not even the main thing going on. They're just sort of like, oh, I'm just a Tufts researcher and here's, and my grants come from this group and this is what they want us to study. And they want us to study this very specific thing that they wrote for me to go study. You know, yeah. you don't, you don't know what you're doing is potentially going to kill millions of people. Well, there was, there was studies being done in Bastrop, I think. Um, no, not Bastrop, somewhere like Waco area at a university. And what they, I'll have to look this up and I'll, I'll send it to you but they were hired to run a study. The study didn't come out the way that they wanted it to. So then they altered the parameters of the study so that the study would show the things that they wanted to. So now you have to look at, okay, the biases of whoever's designing the protocols for these studies, who's designing the protocol and what is the outcome that they're after? And if it's not coming from a non-biased researcher, how can you trust that study? Right. And what is a non-biased researcher? You know, there's so many ways, so many tricks. I mean, statistics is the art of lying with math, you know, so. That's true. This is true. But that's why when when I look at things, like when I first started doing this uh, carnivore diet, um, there's no study that's ever going to show that being on the carnivore diet and eating a couple of steaks a day is good for you. I don't, I don't think that's, there's ever going to be a large scale study that just got to get the meat packing industry guys in on this. (laughs) However, if you go to Facebook and you look at the world carnivore tribe, there's, I don't know, 60,000 plus people there now. And you just look at the success stories of just random people that are beating things like autoimmune diseases. Yeah. Autoimmune diseases that they have no earthly idea how this is working other than they've just cut out all of the stuff, all of the non meat stuff and they're feeling better and they're looking better and they're getting out of depression. They're like all of these things that people are going through just shifting their diet 
is transforming their lives. Mm-hmm. And that's what, you know, one of the things I love about Jake Wish, his wit, number one, he's freaking hilarious. <laughs> but number two, whenever he's, he posts... He's also kind of a fun asshole. He is, you know he is, I mean? totally. <laughs> and he doesn't hold back online either. No, he does not. <laughs> but the cool thing is that when he posts something about something, whether it's nutrition, whether it's X3, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, he always supports it with studies. And he's like, look, this is where this came from. This is not my opinion. This is the opinion of these studies. So it's he's he's super careful about how he puts information out. He has to be with that kind of attitude. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but, but that's what's so brilliant, yeah. right? Because it's just supported in like all of the college athletic studies. It shows that using adaptive resistance bands are far superior than traditional weights or in combination with. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And it's just a, uh, that's one of the things that that's kind of separates him from everybody else. I agree. So let's talk about uh, your new company level up and um, what, what, what's that all about? Yeah. So one of the things that, uh, that I noticed in the Austria strong was it was difficult to stay consistent doing certain things. So we have coaches on the floor that are taking people through sessions. And for us, it's really important to keep notes on everyone that's going through. And we were doing this with kind of paper and pen, and it just wasn't super efficient. And me, when we had to shut down for COVID, we had to shut down for almost three months. And that, that almost murdered us. That, yeah, I bet. that was tough. I don't like to sit around. So I'm like, okay, let's, uh, let's create something. And level up was born. And I was like, okay, we're going to get rid of all paper. That's uh that's our first step. So then I developed an application. I have a, I have a team. We've got, you know, like eight people on the team now that are helping us develop this application that runs on a tablet. So now we're like, okay, we're going to keep all of our notes and we're going to have everything in this this one place. So that was kind of step one. And then step two was, okay, well, how can we also use this to help our members? And so like, okay, well, now we need to capture things like progress. So if you come in and you're doing, you know, a grip strength test or a balance test, we're going to capture all that stuff. And now we want to capture that as often as we possibly can schedule allowed. But now there's a place for us to capture all this information. But why is this important? Well, number one, we want our members to be able to see their improvement over time, not just on the machines that show your force production, but I also want them to see that their balance is improving, that their grip strength is improving that the ability to get out of a chair and do a sit to stand that's improving or squats or split squats or whatever it is. And then that evolved that evolved to, okay, so that's helping the member. How do I help the business? How do I help the business improve revenue? And that led into me creating all of these little mechanisms to serve our members better. So so what does that mean? If you think of a, if you think of like a marketing system for any given company, everybody's super familiar with lead generation and lead nurturing. There's another piece to that. After they become a client, there's this piece called client nurturing. 
So how do you ensure that your team is being consistent with every single member going through the system? So then we developed this automation mechanism that says, hey, every time that they check in for like the first 52 sessions, we're going to prescribe what the coach is going to talk about. Mm -hmm. So we have a, a, a systemized onboarding process. So now everybody that comes in is going to go through a very systemized process-oriented onboarding process. So everybody gets everything. And that's from education to additional modalities that may serve them or just, hey, we want to sit down and do a progress update with you. So there was this big gap. So we, I just kept filling this gap. Everything that I saw in the center from an operational standpoint, I started building this into the solution, building it into the solution called Level Up. And then I started taking this to other franchisees. I'm like, hey, I know you have this problem. Check out what this can do for your company. Not only can we help improve retention, but we can also improve revenue. Because one of the key things that, and this is kind of, for any business, mm -hmm. that if you have 100 people and you ask 100 of those people, hey, we have this really cool thing, this really cool widget, you want to take a look at it. And then some percentage of them are going to say yes. And then some of those people are going to actually purchase that widget. So, But the key piece is, is that if you don't present it, period, you'll never get to that yes. So we have some incredible supplements that will help people with their bone health. And with this system, you basically create this digital sticky note that when, ev when somebody comes in, you get presented with this thing. Say, hey, talk to this person about AlgaeCal. And here are the benefits for it. And it's just this whole thing of like a, when you when you go to the grocery store and you're checking out, you have this impulse aisle, mm -hmm. right? People buy stuff from that all the time. Why? Because it's presented to you. Mm -hmm. If that wasn't there, they wouldn't have bought it. So this is the same concept, except we're doing this with a little more integrity, right? We think that the things that we are giving to you are actually going to serve you. But it's our job to make sure nobody falls through the cracks. Because that was the thing. It's like we could ask some of our people, but how do you make sure that you ask every single person? Mm -hmm. So then the question became to these new Strong owners, does every one of your members know about every single product, service, and promotion that you offer? The answer is no. Of course not. So then this solution solves that problem to make sure that you have a systemized way to make sure that every single member has access to all of those things. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and uh, so it sounds like you're working with many different franchises then yeah. helping them out. Um, is it, is that, is that doing what you think it should do? Is that going well? Yeah, it's going great. Everybody loves it. That's so, great. and this is, this is only growing. So the next thing, the next thing that we are going to do is we're going to tackle all of the small things, like one of the latest things that we, we just built in a DocuSign piece to where if we're going to sign a contract or a media release or whatever it is, I can just click a button and level up. It generates the agreement, pre-fills out all the information, and the person just signs it with their finger, you hit save, and it automatically gets stored in a folder securely. Mm -hmm. 
which sounds like a small thing, but it was a huge deal. But it's like all of these little things that just stack over time, all of these little features that completely transform a business. Mm -hmm. And this is something that, that I love because I get to be creative and I get to look at things and come up with ideas and work with all of these owners and get feedback from them and say, Hey, fill in the blank. It would be really cool if level up could do X. And then we just work with all of our owners and we just keep making this thing better and better and better. So this seems like you could uh, <clears throat> kind of cookie cutter it in multiple different types of wellness industry type, maybe franchise, maybe not, but uh, gyms, let's say, or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. So one of, one of the special things about this particular industry, the wellness industry, is that we get to see people face to face frequently. And that doesn't really happen inside of like a doctor's office or um, other things like a dentist. Right. That would be bad. (laughs) But if you're doing things like a chiropractor or a physical therapist or you have something like that, that lends itself perfectly to this type of solution. So, yes, 100 percent. So this is kind of like the next step of where do we take this from here? How, how can we help even more people like so, spas, let's say, or whatever? Yeah, it could be, it could be anything that wants to track progress and make sure that their members can see progress, improve retention, okay, so improve maybe spas. I'm really good at relaxing. <laughs> yeah, it would be, it would definitely be more towards like a physical therapy yeah, slash sure. chiropractor type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I'm looking for is I'm, I'm looking for how can I create the biggest splash? And I know that the bigger the splash that I can create, the bigger ripple effect that I'm going to have. So at Austria Strong, at the center, it's awesome. Because if you come in and you do your session and you walk out and you feel great, you are going to impact the people around you in that positive way. And you multiply that by two, 300 people we're creating a pretty big impact. Mm -hmm. Now, with the software solution, I'm taking it one step further back and saying, okay, what if we help the owners, help the coaches, which helps the members, what does that ripple effect look like? So then this ripple effect becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. It's like when I was talking about the example earlier of being a doctor or owning the hospital. How many more people can I help? I'm guessing more than a couple. More than a few. Yeah. All right. So how do people find you and how do you find OsteoStrong and all the all the goodness? Yeah, so OsteoStrong is easy. Just go into Google, type in OsteoStrong. It'll it'll take you directly to the website. Uh, if you want to find me, uh, come knock on Robert Stewart. Uh, now, I'm... I'm really terrible at self-promotion, so... Well, here's your big chance. Yeah, I'm hanging out on Facebook, so okay. you can hit me up on Facebook. You just search my name, Deepak Suthar, and I'm the only one in Austin that has an strong. <laughs> so it'll be really easy <laughs> to find me. And X3 is the other one we should mention. Yeah, so if you're interested in taking a look at this X3, you should, uh, number one, just Google it and just look at people's results and just understand how people are transforming their lives. And if you are interested in buying it, 
you get to save 50 bucks by using code Austin. Cool. Well, thanks, dude. This has been great. Um, and um, I really, really hope that more people find their way over to your, uh, your spot there and start trying it out. And there's a lot of people who could definitely use some greater bone density. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thanks so much.